0: uh okay so uh, i'm just gonna start now because when we publish this i'll just cut everything before this point oh, <laughs> all awesome. right all yeah. right i am now joined by <laughs> uh david gill who is a among various other things a uh, philip k dick uh scholar he uh he uh does a blog that uh, that I remember, I I used to I used to read uh, years ago called uh, Total Dickhead, <laughs> and I thought this would be a, this, you know, this would be a fun break from some of the other topics we've been doing uh, to uh, to just uh, talk a little uh, PKD for a few minutes. So uh, how are you doing, David?
1: I'm good. Ben, how are you?
0: I am pretty decent. Um, so yeah, I'm in uh, um, I'm actually in California now, not the not the part that he lived in. Uh, but uh where where are you uh i'm in uh, i'm in like palm desert basically oh, okay right. yep uh so so yeah i think a good i think a good kind of start here would would just sort of do a a general you know just to just to kind of start like maybe on a on a personal note like how how you became interested in this guy you know why All this right. is why this is a compelling writer for you
1: Okay, uh, I'll try to give you the my mid my mid uh, length definition or story, and then you can ex- ask me to expand or tell me to shut Perfect. up. Uh, uh, I was about eighteen. I was a stoner. I was a, a you know subver- uh, you know counterculture kid in Chicago uh, looking for adult <laughs> entertainment, and uh, somebody handed me a scanner, Darkly, and I read uh, Stephen King. I graduated from Stephen King to Clive Barker. And I was looking for the sci-fi version of, of Clyde Barker, meaning, you know, adult with a little bit of sex, a little bit of drugs, you know, uh, a little bit of counterculture. And so Scanner Darkly just spoke to me. Um, I really felt like uh, I just loved it. And I, and I, I, I kind of have a hard time even occupying that mind space to, to kind of remember what I liked about it, other than... All of it—it it just spoke to me as an adult. Like you're—you're, you're, you know, hey, you're not a kid anymore, but you're still reading science fiction. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I was kind of puttered along at that level for a while. I probably read uh, two or three more books, uh, and then I moved to Hawaii, uh, and I didn't have much to do. And I went to the the uh, borders on the island and picked up—I don't know, ten or fifteen novels and just gobbled them up until they all kind of bled into one another. Fast forward about uh, another year, I'm at the University of Hawaii. Uh, I end up in an American literature class where the professor is teaching as a, as a kind of a semester long theme, uh the Wasteland, uh the Great Gatsby, and Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep.
0: Oh that and, sounds like a fun class.
1: Oh, it was amazing. And uh so that really showed me that Dick was like more than just a, um, a a good writer; that he was actually like really perfectly fit in in a super interesting way into the the 20th century American literature that is is coming to terms with the death of God or whatever is trying to mm-hmm. struggle with, you know, existential meaning in in a, a post religious world. And uh so I, I puttered along on that level then, and I ended up uh you know jetting to uh the Bay Area, moving to the Bay Area, going to San Francisco State University, and there I um uh, ended up writing a master's thesis on Phil Dick and narcissism and paranoia using uh the book Time Out of Joint. Um and mm. uh, it was a fun, a fun time. And then I went to my, my, my thesis advisor and I said, you know, should I go get a PhD? And he said, you know, it's going to cost you a hundred grand. It's going to take 10 years. You've gotten really no shot at getting a job. This was in 2005 and mm. it was very present. And so what he said in this very Dickian way, it was just like, just go be a scholar. Like just essentially, essentially call yourself a scholar and just go out there and do what scholarship is. And I I guess in retrospect he probably meant like you know turn your thesis into a, a paper that you submit to extrapolations or some academic journal about science fiction but my idea was much better was just to be like a snarky kind of a troll on uh-huh. on the internet that would like you know because there were all these stupid articles about philip k dick and all the movies and how you you know various different ways they were stupid and so the first part of that uh, blog was just like making fun of that uh-huh. and uh and i really enjoyed that but i i, I got a bunch of readers I, I knew one of the guys at boing boing when boing boing was just like the aggregator side of the cult- counterculture mm-hmm. and a few links from them and you know really kind of launched me into you know, it, it, it catapulted me way beyond where, uh, you know, pretending to be a scholar, like submitting papers to uh, academic journals would have got me, you know, got, you know, NPR on the phone with me to do like, a you know, to the best of our knowledge or like uh, the New York Times to do it, you know, get a quote or whatever. So kind of by like sort of by uh, a kind of uh, mimicry <laughs> of authenticity, I I I, uh, I pierced the academic, Uh, you know, the academic ivory tower, and I, I kind of became this sort of self, uh, as self, uh, uh, self declared dickhead expert at a time when, you know, right before essentially the Library of America stuff came out. And, uh, he really, he got an article in the, uh, in the New Yorker by Adam Gopnik, and he was really kind of, uh, crowned as this counterculture, uh, you know, Lazarus, who risen from, the, from the, the, the ghetto death of science fiction. Um, and then so I just did the blog for a while and um, did some stuff. We worked on the exegesis. I live in the Bay Area, so for a while I was traveling up to Point Reyes. I, I made a, a fairly serious uh, friendship with Ann Dick. I wrote the introduction to her memoir. Um, and, you know, we, I probably was up there eight or ten times before she died a few years ago. Uh, I interviewed um, uh, Cleo, which was Phil's second wife. I met Tim Powers and a bunch of those guys. I worked on the exegesis. And as I started to meet the personal people in his life, the, the 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 ride got darker, Ben. <laughs> like uh, this guy who I had thought of as like kind of, you know, funny, quirky, uh, weird, edgy guy. Like I I got him I got First hand accounts of like his violence, his, yeah. li- his lying, his just like, I mean, not, not like kooky, oh, that's crazy, Phil. Like, oh my God, that's like scary, yeah. scary nuts. Um, and so, you know, it's been a, it's, and then I kind of had to, and then I had to fall out with the, his daughters are still alive and they're still working pretty hard on this stuff. And they, they don't want some, you know, self, self declared dick expert, you know, d- Digging up a bunch of family dirt and throwing it on the Internet for everybody to read. So, you know, it's, it's, a, yeah, right. it's a, a very interesting niche that I, uh, I dug for myself. Uh, the sort of crowning achievement of my of my Dick scholarship was I organized a Dick Fest at San Francisco <laughs> State in 2012 and we had all of these guys from from all over. Uh, Lethem was there, and um, Lawrence Rickles from the uh, European school came out, and about 130 fans and scholars, and uh, Rudy Rucker was there, and uh, it was just a blast, and it's a really amazing community of, of Poland fans, and uh, so that was really sort of my crowning achievement, and, and now and then, now I'm sort of just, kind of in emeritus status. I, I just came out of retirement to write a thing for Tor.com about uh, Phil and his twin. They're gonna do this show. I guess Netflix is, is scheduled to do a show with a guy, the director of Children of Men, mm-hmm. and uh, Charlize Theron playing Phil Dick's dead twin if she hadn't died, and she's around to get her brother out of all of these crazy messes that he gets himself in. <laughs>
0: yeah that's that's really interesting um i yeah I, I mean i think that um there is you know definitely in terms of some of the initial appeal there's there's probably some um some overlap there i, I will say like an ex you know ex, you know <laughs> It's funny as you were saying all that. I, I kept thinking it's like, man, if I were doing this, I would I would just always go with the acronym, you know, the abbreviation PKD. <laughs> didn't have to talk about being a dick expert and stuff like yeah, that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: I've I've learned to embrace it. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you stand in front of a classroom of eighteen year olds and you find yourself <laughs> saying, The reason I like dick so much is a teenager. <laughs> You've crossed the Rubicon and there's no going back. You've just got you to live in there. I mean, the guy named his daughter Issa Dick, I-S-A Dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, <laughs> come on. But we should probably elevate the conversation yeah, 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 and I move know. beyond the uh, rather obvious potty jokes of, of his name.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think, like, one uh, – you, you kind of alluded to earlier – obviously there are a bunch of, of movies that are that are based on uh uh that are you know based in some yeah. sense on uh on, on his uh his writing i remember him saying in some essay or interview or something uh that the uh that you know he, he sort of wished there'd be one that was based on one of his ideas and not the special effect of one of his ideas uh yeah. which 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 actually could probably sort of go further and say that like in the sense that a lot of these things are sort of based on, on his ideas. They're not based on the parts that are actually original to him, you know, as opposed right. to sort of pre-existent science fiction tropes that he was using to do more interesting things with. But, like, certainly an experience that I've had in the past is, you know, I've, I've sort of talked him up to people. And they want to check something out. Uh, so what they'll check out is do Android's and Dream of Electric Sheep because they like Blade Runner. And then they're like plus by it when they actually read it. Cause it's like, yeah. well, this, this isn't Blade Runner, right? This yeah. is, you know, totally, right. this is this totally different thing, you know, that, that has, uh, you know, cause, cause Blade Runner is this like, uh, sort of founded the subgenre of, you know, science fiction, film noir. And it like has this really particular atmosphere to it. And that's the appeal, you know, whereas you read Do Android Stream of Electric Sheep and it's, uh, you know, I mean it's 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 this wonderfully bizarre thing that's totally unlike that, you know, that uh that they um like all of these things that are sort of details that I guess were t- were sort of mentioned for half a second each in, in Blade Runner, but that are like that, you know, live in the society with, you know, universal vegetarianism and everybody's part of this uh, you know, religion mercerism where you're like uh doing some VR thing to to uh uh, like inhabit, you know, the the mind of the guy the religious about as people are throwing stones at him and stuff, and it's just a a very different thing. But *Scattered Darkly*, which you started with, is like the big exception. Yeah. Uh, that that's a movie that's based on um, on Philip K. Dick. That actually, if you watch the movie, you get some sense of the feel of the original.
1: You do. You do. Yeah. And they brought on Eric. me you and know, my buddy, Eric Davis, uh, I was an advisor on that. And uh, Tommy Pilata the producer, and Richard Linkletter were like big dickheads and really wanted to bring something authentic to the screen. And I think they definitely did. I, that's probably the best, um, truest to the adaptation, to the source material. I kind of like the movies, like The Matrix, like, yeah. uh, like Dark City, like 13th Floor, like all those movies that are just a half like twit like tweak away like they took phil dick and they just kept turning the dial a little bit uh, further. that those i think are really and that shows to my mind kind of that shows is genius it's not it's not really i mean the particulars are amazing as you're talking about but it's also just like this milieu of particulars this like <laughs> this like vibe of you know um it's 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 not super far in the future it's not super. Um, it's not super utopian, um, but it's also not like post. Not, you know, the, even the post apocalyptic stuff is through the lens of like a garden variety middle class existence. So <laughs> right. So like kind of the genius of it is like you, you you're able to see how those fictional worlds are like superimposed or or like a layer underneath the cultural you know, superstructure of the current moment, the current world, or like the way he's casting stuff out. So it's not like, uh, I, again, I read all these stupid articles where like Philip K Dick predicted the future and it yeah, talks yeah, about yeah. all this technology or like this dude that made a robot that looks like Philip K Dick. It's like, <laughs> it's like, can you, un- can you misunderstand a guy's work more fundamentally than that? You know, it'd be like, it'd be like creating a Christian, like a creationist church with Charles Darwin as the savior, you know, like, here's a guy who androids are the scariest, darkest. It's not like Blade Runner, the movie where they're like, oh, look how great one day our children, our mechanical children will be these amazing beings and they'll make us proud. You know, this is it's a total reverse where it's like, look at how your own life is like a robot. If you were to just put yourself in a in a category and make a list of the similarities that you have to with a robot, you would be very surprised by the number of things on that list. You know, that's the that's the Zeitgeist of. That's the 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 way he's using the tools like you were saying, like the the particulars to make a critique that's not like just on the macro level but on the micro level of like how do you fit in? How do you, how do you perform your normalcy? So people think you're okay. You know, how do you pretend that all of this isn't horrifying and terrible so that, uh, you know, people can relate to you. You're not a, a total downer.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. It's, it's, you know, and then, and then like, if you look at really, it just seems like, it seems like ebbs and flows, but we're really in this high tide of Dicky and stuff right now with a chat bot AI. And with yeah. Elon Elon Musk and and all these guys with their, you know, I I don't know if you've heard this term, but the Zuckerberg term when he was on Joe Rogan, he talked about coordinated inauthentic behavior. Uh-huh. Right, that's what they call it on at around the table at Facebook when there's all these bots and crazy disinformation campaigns. Coordinated inauthentic behavior. I'm like, that's it. That's the Phil Dick thing. And it's like it goes. It's everywhere. It's the fact that bob dylan was caught using a robo signer for his books (laughs) right to the fact that elon musk is like championing free speech while he's like selectively leaking you know information to like journalists who aren't disseminating it in good faith you know like
0: it's all all super relevant (laughs) yeah 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 and and, and in particular that like the the journalists who's he's picking are like 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 Barry Weiss uh has a history of making all these statements that, that make it seem, you know, like she's like a you know, fan of Elon Musk, yeah, right? Like yeah. he's not like you know, I mean he's not doing the thing that would ideally, right? You would just like do a big WikiLeaks dump, you know, and like right. any any journalist who wanted to could just look at it and, you know, analyze it and come to their own conclusions. Uh, but yeah, it, it but it is like so it's 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 definitely like that definitely opens up a lot of ways that you can sort of uh be manipulative by telling bits and pieces of the truth. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. Right. Uh, Or like the,
1: the way that authenticity, like almost like a kind of like, look at Donald Trump. Like that guy is he's fake. It's like Zizek points out, right? Like when people have fake hair, they uh, try to make it, they try to make it look real. But Donald uh Trump has real hair that he styles in a way that makes it look fake. And the same thing, like when he, went to do, uh, he went to get his teeth whitened and the dude was like, no, you can't whiten your teeth like that. They look totally unnatural." He's like, no, no, t- you know, 10 out of 10 top notch white. He's in a way he has demonstrated that like the, the, he's like the fake and the real switch places. Yeah. Right. You, you know what I mean? It's like in, in, in this like really fundamental, like your sock is inside out kind of way. So that you, you got it. You have a, you have like a, like a medium, like substack, right? Where, where like theoretically all of this amazing unfiltered information can get out, but instead it's being used by actors. Again, I using the term in bad faith. They're like, they're not doing what they're saying they're doing. They're not, they're not authentic in that way. That, that seems super uh, relevant to me as, as kind of what Dick is warning us about. It's not that People disappear in like, they're not photoshopped away. It's that mass media and and culture allows us to, to essentially uh, uh, create a false authenticity. Right. You know, like you, you can, you, you can make some, you, you can be Elon Musk and people think that you're like an underdog that's there to protect the little guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) yeah no that's that's very true uh so so you like yeah so you you mentioned earlier want to pick up on a couple of threads uh from earlier in the conversation you know you said that um uh i mean you you said that like in some ways uh and you know we don't need to get that much into this right now but like that they sort of in some of the uh, darker side of, of, of his, you know, personal behavior as opposed yeah. to just sort of like, this is this like, you know, crazy quirky guy. It's like, no, this is like, you know, in some situations, like a dangerously crazy guy. Uh, i was, was surprising, but it's also like part of the appeal, I think, in a certain sense of some of these books. So we started out talking about A uh, a scatter Darkly, um, which, uh, you know, which is about a... Uh, you know know, about a undercover cop uh who is ends up in this bizarre situation where he's surveilling himself uh and um and or valis uh which is the which was the sort of big the which is like the film k dick book that really that really hooked me and you know and and uh made the biggest impression on me. And, and in, in some ways actually may have influenced, uh, my, uh, early career choice because people spend so much time in there arguing about philosophy, but, um, but that like both of these are, I, I think part of the appeal in a way is kind of knowing that these are sort of, you know, I mean, it's science fiction, but it's like weirdly semi-autobiographical that like, yeah. and, um, uh, most directly in Valis that, you know, it's, it's about a guy who is, uh, is, is named uh, horse lover fat, which, uh, you know, which, which, which is just the, you know, horse lover in Greek is Philip and, 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 uh, and fat in and German is Dick uh, who undergoes a uh, religious experience and uh, then uh, fills up all of these notebooks of, uh, of, of exegesis of, uh, of his, um, of his of his experience which um you know which philip k dick had one of those and in fact did you know you alluded to its existence earlier right this uh exegesis know, all these notebooks full of his like sort of uh speculations about it and even scattered darkly uh my understanding you know from what i can remember from a biography i read many 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 years ago is that um he got the idea for that while he was in drug rehab and, and basically the sort of paranoid delusions that he was having in rehab, you know, kind of, kind of led to the premise for that book.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, he also had like the crash pad, you know, where, where like, if you, I don't know about your experience as an adolescent, but in my, you know, when I was like 18, 20, 21, right before you could get into bars, but you needed a place to go. There was always kind of like an old, old guy that liked drugs and, yeah. <laughs> and, and like young girls, right? And he would have people over to his house, right? And you'd go over there and there's a place you could do drugs and you could hang out and whatever. That was Phil Dick's house. He had that in San Rafael uh, in up, up north in the North Bay here in, in the Bay Area. And uh, like, for instance, his, his daughters... Right. They're, they're living in Point Reyes, going, which yeah. is su- super upscale, super rural. And they hear in their high school from, you know, the rumors, hey, there's this guy. You can go to his house and you can hang out and he like give you pot and you can whatever. and and it, turns, and it turns out it's their dad. Yeah. I mean, so like that's a, that, and I don't know about you, but. Uh, the person that gave me uh, a Scanner Darkly was a big pothead. Yeah. Most 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 of the people I've had like really serious conversations with that book are, are big potheads. I'm a huge pothead. There's something about there's like a way in which it's about it's about our own ineptitude, our own cluelessness, our own complicity in the whole whatever. Like, and it's just hilarious. Like you know there, the the conversation in the book about the guys trying to figure out why a, a a bike that has two gears on the front <laughs> and six gears on the back, isn't an eight speed. Right. I mean, that's that, and I'm sure that's autobiographical.
0: But yeah. Hey, yeah. Okay. Which, 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 which I should say parenthetically, like there's something kind of funny there about the fact that potheads like that book so much when it's like, I mean, like really like the, uh, you know, like the, the, uh, a sort of not totally inaccurate one, one sentence summary of that book would be like, drugs are awful they'll destroy you yeah. but like um, but there's something there about how everybody who's part of a given subculture really likes sort of uh Lovingly accurate depictions of that yeah. culture, even yeah. if they're even if they're super duper negative, right? Like, right, right, you know, gangsters love Goodfellas. You know, Marines love Full Metal Jacket.
1: Uh, that you just explained uh, Wolf of Wall Street to me. I watched Wolf of Wall Street a couple nights ago, and I couldn't get into it. But that's exactly if you're a stockbroker, you fucking love that movie. That's yeah. your, that's your jam, man. That you're going to tell you that there people are going to be that enthusiastic about that kind of libidinal energy. I, I want to I loop back to Valis because yeah, yeah. Please, please. super, super important. I've read that a bunch of times. And my, my conventional take for a long time was, thank God Phil Dick can like split himself into this believer and this skeptic. And he can mm-hmm. present mm-hmm. both sides and he can really oscillate between the two. Now that I get older and I read Val the last time I read Vallis, I was like, no, this is a sales pitch. And the, the, the like kind of false skepticism at the beginning is, yeah. is rhetorical. It's there to pull you in as a skeptic and, and rope you in. And then when he starts to do kind of a rope-a-dope with the, oh my gosh, is this real? And all my, all my skeptical friends believe it now. It's, it's really designed to ultimately uh, validate yeah. his experiences that's, that's, that's my take now. I I have a lot of people who disagree with me, but, um, that, that I really think if you go back and look how it's structured, the way in which he actually says, like, I've, I've, I've talked, I've split myself into two for some much needed objectivity. He uses that, he uses that phrase and it's like, no, if, if you keep reading around chapter six or something, you can see the kind of, that kind of, uh, um, Uh, A stab at at skepticism that that fake object, false objectivity is really kind of thrown by the wayside, and it's just full bore. Like you think this, and I met a lot of incredibly smart, incredibly educated people who are convinced that he had some sort of a paranormal experience. Yeah, I I have a really hard time with that, Ben.
0: (laughs) No, fair enough. Uh, I mean that this is really like. I read Vallis the first time when I was I was a teenager, I don't know, maybe I was like 19 or something, but I, I was uh, and like I thought it was really cool, but I sort of didn't quite know what to make of it. Um yeah. <laughs> and uh and then I read it again in my mid 20s uh <laughs> uh the the uh shortly after uh dropping acid for the first time uh and I was, I was like that was, so my head was in this, you know, I wanted yeah. to uh like that made me think of the book and you know what i wanted to read the book again um <laughs> and, and um uh, and it and it is uh it is interesting like I'm, I'm sure i've read it fewer times than you i mean i've read it you know a few times over the years but like um but um uh, but yeah the the sort of first thing you said is like very much i think how i've always thought about it and and it's it's Maybe that maybe that's just how I want to read it because I like that book so much. Well, <laughs> it it's, makes it more interesting.
1: It's not the only place that he feigns at objectivity, and he's yeah. real. He's really good at it. He knows how to like. I mean, and they, and I can't say whether he's being authentic in that or yeah. not. But but he he does he is he does seem to be sincere when he goes for that. Um, it's just it's hard to believe for a long time I thought maybe he's just making the whole thing up. And then I actually saw like what the exegesis looks like as like a document, like as a set of files. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's not somebody, that's not somebody just, uh, you know,
0: like, <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's not somebody gaslighting us in a diary. Right. But the really creepy thing is like when, uh, I haven't read all of his notes, uh, the, yeah. the, the editor on the main thing, uh, pa- um, uh, Pamela Jackson, she read the whole thing. And I asked her, what did you, what's not in there? She said 75% of the whole, of all of the notes that he took were this paranoid rambling about this letter that he received. <laughs> he calls it the Xerox missive, where it's like a book review from Eastern Europe. And some <laughs> of the words are highlighted in the on the page. And he t- t- gives it to Tessa, his wife says, I can't look at this, you know, keep it away from me. That's ultimately like, I, there's a whole bunch of people, subculture of people who are reading and looking at the exegesis and working on the other notes that haven't been transcribed and are making a kind of religion out of it. Yeah. And I just want to say, no, there's like a whole bunch. of Like, if you're a real Philip K. Dick fan, the tragedy of the exegesis is that's like three novels yeah, that he right. could have written, you know, instead of in and, and, and my opinion, again, and this is just mine. like, he's spinning his wheels. It's like a kind of endless. I mean, he goes, there's probably three months of his life where he's convinced that Hamlet is somehow like this determinative text for the entire structure of the universe and, and that the real God has been killed by this Claudius false God. I mean, it's on and on. And it's like, dude, you are Hamlet. You could be the king if you just like stop spinning your wheels. <laughs> you just get on with your life and do something, you know, you'd be in good shape. <laughs>
0: Yeah, right. I mean I I definitely don't think it's uh I definitely don't think it's fake. I think it's, you know, No. Right. No.
1: no, but 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 I'm also tempted to think that it's amphetamine psychosis. I Yeah, no, exactly.
0: Like, like that that seems that seems extremely plausible. Um I've uh which um uh al- although I was just remembering from I think it was that Lawrence suited the yeah. uh biography of him, uh You know, my all time favorite Philip K. Dick religious experience is this thing where he's got this like floating eye in front of him that's like the voice of God, and the floating eye tells him that he has to stop doing drugs and he says, Okay, what about weed? And uh, God says, Yeah, that's okay, that's different. Yeah.
1: but um, yeah. he's California sober. I mean, <laughs> it's
0: right, all, yeah. all
1: been predicted. <laughs> right. I, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can picture God saying that. I mean, you know, that seems, that seems, you know, it seems. Sure. Right. Sure. sure, sure. <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think there is a, like, I mean, I think the thing, I mean, I, I have read, I remember when the exegesis or whatever extracts were published were, yeah. Uh, were first published, I read some of it. I, I don't know yeah. what percentage I read, you know, but, um, but like, you know, the thing uh, that sort of seems in a sense the most authentic to me is, is just the fact that there's, there isn't like a, like here's the way he's interpreting it and he's like running with that. And then he's, you know, then here's my, you know, here's my church shift the beam of the pink light. You should join it now. You yeah. know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's, it's, like, it's like he's trying to figure out, you know, what the fuck happened, and, and he can't settle on anything. Although I think there is also, I mean, maybe this is too much of a diversion, but I mean, I think that there is an interesting question here about, um, like, you know, we, I think, often tend to assume that there are these binary options about these things that either sure. people are making it up or else they're being completely honest about it, you know? And uh, and it's like, I don't know. I mean, even even like Elrod Hubbard, Hubbard, uh, who's like, okay, so it's like obviously he's a con man, and I don't think there's the slightest doubt about that, but like also, man, even when he was really rich, he seemed to spend an awful lot of his time like trying to like figure out the details of this stuff in a way that makes me wonder if there is some part of this that he actually believed was true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It's, it's not a simple believe or not believe. It's also, I think it's more of a question of, I don't think it's so much of a question. of trying to figure it out as finding a, a, maybe that's what you call figuring it out, but coming to some sort of a, a, like a conclusion that, that stops the speculation where he goes, aha, that must be it. <laughs> and like any, he, and he can just stop there and kind of like, close that chapter on his life and move on. And like, that's, that's not, maybe he did that when he wrote Vallas, I don't know. It's hard to say, but it's, it's definitely bound up, not just in whether it was real or not, but whether or not people are going to think he's crazy, whether or not, um, you know, uh, he wasted, he's wasting his time. He's wasting his life. It One really crazy part about his life is it's so, Counterculture of him to go Christian in nineteen, uh, you know, nineteen seventy four or whatever. Like, uh, you know, and then Ursula Gwynn is like, "What the hell is this guy doing?" You know, yeah. uh, and uh, and all of his friends, you know, all of his friends basically, except for Tim Powers, who's this devout, a devout Catholic, and he told me once that if if they, if it ever turned out that the Catholic Church wasn't true, he'd convert to Judaism in half an hour. Uh, <laughs> So that's, that's David. That's the religious guy in Vallas, you know, yeah. who's like constantly saying like, oh yeah, no, no, it's totally true. He absolutely, God is absolutely talking to you, Pat. He, he's definitely picked this like super weird loser to send his message to <laughs> so that he can pass it on to the whole world. So yeah, it's, it's, fun. it's a, it's a very, it's a very Gordian knot that does not <laughs> And that's frankly, a, that's what keeps me in the game is like, you can constantly come back to it. You can constantly see another angle and you can see additional ways in which his fiction is like either revealing or, or helping us like index what's happening in, in contemporary culture.
0: Right. Uh, well, yeah, maybe that would be a good a good place to, not quite add, because there's, there's one other thing I want to ask you, but um, to, um, to to sort of start to to bring this to to a close is by kind of drawing some of those connections, right? So like, you know, like like what are the? I mean, I guess we we kind of did this a little, just a little bit earlier yeah. with like the Elon Musk stuff and all of that, but I mean, what are the um like what are the things that you think are this are this sort of i don't know i mean if this isn't too cordial a way to put it like, the, like like some of the big like themes of enduring interest there like what's the you know what's the stuff about this what's the stuff about these these books that you know that that you think is sort of like helpful as something to to read while you think about contemporary culture
1: all right. Very good. Uh, t- well, to Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, I think is the place to start. I've taught that to college freshmen for 17 years now and um, it, with, with you know, varying levels of interest and engagement. Um, but it's really it's really key, I think. And um, so, yeah, part of it is the the question of authenticity versus uh, fabricated or, or contrived. Um, but let me, let me just say that I was, you know, this chat bot GPT. Yeah, thing. Yeah. This thing came out and as a, as an, as an English teacher who teaches, you know, basic composition essays, I was fascinated by it and troubled by it and everything. So I asked it, I said, compose an argument using evidence that Rachel Rosen, the character in Do Android Dream of Electric Sheep is empathetic because I'm, I'm really fascinated by the way in which every character in that book transcends their identity deckard who acts who is a human acts like an android Isidore, who's supposed to be dumb acts very intelligently and then rachel who's an android uses empathy and the example i always give is that in the book she kills deckard's brandly brand new purchased goat by pushing it off the the roof and i say to my students like she didn't just come up with that by luck. She put herself into Deckard's shoes and asked herself, what can I do that's gonna hurt this guy the most?
0: Yeah. And the answer is, I'm gonna
1: hurt the goat. I'm gonna mess the goat up. Well, what the what the chat GBT pointed me to was a line that, uh, that Rachel Rosen tells Deckard after meeting the other robot, Pris. Rachel says, I sensed her fear. that's a a much more obvious example of uh, Rachel being empathetic and I totally missed it and when I asked the stupid AI which Uh is not which is not intelligent by the way Uh, you know is a simple like uh, you know uh, aggregator of some sort pointed me to a scene in the book that I'd overlooked in in 30 years of study and all this I mean that's that's the Dickian world and when you the thing to read of his is this speech that he gave in 1978 called how to build a universe that doesn't fall apart two days later. And it's on the Internet. You can find it anywhere. And basically what he's saying there is like the universe. I like to make a universe that falls apart where you feel like every, the wheels are coming off. Nothing makes sense. There's, it's unsustainable. It's too chaotic. The, the, the rules that the system is set for itself are being disobeyed. Uh, Or fundamentally not up to the task. That sense of like the wheels coming off is the is the way Dick is prescient, Um, Mm -hmm. right? But uh, so it's not like, but so it's not these details. It's not mercerism, but it is uh, the cult of personality. For instance, that's grown up around Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or. The, you know, the, the, the notions of, 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 of field teach to things like Amazon, uh, to giant corporations that are sort of um, developing content out, out of our own lives that we're, that we're, you know, etching into the Internet for other people to commodify. Um, the sense that authenticity is compromised by the market. By uh, by uh, either you're the market of like here's here's my here I'm a Dick scholar here's how I market myself here's what I tell people about my job and my life and the details of my study that convince them that I'm a, an expert uh, you know um, all of these constructions in our lives are uh, really deeply uh, crucial to Dick's notion and you just see these characters coming to grips with a world that no longer makes sense. You know, they've been given concepts like justice and fairness and consistency and uh, all, you know, then you get out in the world and it it's, it's not there. And how do you, how do you navigate uh, a, a world in which your, your compass is misaligned. You've been misguided about your surroundings, that kind of stuff. And that just gets more and more pronounced as, the ability to fake and uh, construct reality uh, progresses, right? The, you know, the more they're able to show us like the deep fakes and so forth are going to further undermine not only our own uh, like our the notion of can I trust what I'm watching, but like can I trust myself? You know, can I right? I mean, ultimately that's the that's that's why robots are scary to people. Is because they're in some way a rep- we understand them as ourselves, as some some creature that's got a preset uh, program running in it and is uh, pro- you know probably not up to the task of 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 successfully interfacing with a with a you know multimodal complex reality. Uh, that's 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 our that's our fate as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Well, yeah. <laughs> as, uh, as much as that would be a, a killer ended, uh, I'm going to ruin it and just ask more question, which sure. is, um, what, uh, so you, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, for anybody who's, who's listening to it, who's, uh, um, you know, kept listening after it became clear, you know, I was going to uh, be talking about stuff that's very different from usual topics, but, uh, who might not, um, who might not have read that much of this stuff who maybe was you know maybe knows some of the movies or you know uh, but uh but would be you know would be interested in reading more Philip k dick i mean you already mentioned do android stream of electric sheep i mean you want to kind of throw off a couple of others just to start with
1: Sure, sure yeah uh do android stream electric sheep is the is a good like st- a pure sci-fi place to start um it's very subversive it's very cool I like Ubik, uh, which he wrote right around the same time, which has to do more about, which is more about entropy right. and uh, ideas of like uh, the difficulties of systems to maintain their complexity. Uh, I really like Galactic Pot Healer. Mm. That's a kind of undersold book. It's a Jungian allegory about a, a, a guy who's a ceramicist who can only fix broken ceramics. And he's... Uh, summoned to a foreign planet to help this crazy alien uh, res- uh, uh, raise a, a sunken cathedral. Uh, that's a fantastic one. I also really like We Can Build You, which is probably Dick's closest uh, melding of mainstream literature and science fiction, as there's always his goal. A lot of people hate that book, but it's got an a evil industrialist uh, named Sam K. Barrows, who very much resembles... Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. Um, uh, and that I think Vallis is really great. Um, and there's a one short story that I recommend or two short stories I recommend. One is called the electric ant and it's about a patient who's brought into a, 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 operating room and he discovers that there's this, uh, cassette deck in his chest that has this programming on it. And a robot and the other is called a frozen journey where this guy is going to a a different planet to start a new life but he's unable to be put successfully put to sleep and so uh he the computer has to run memories of from his life to keep him sane during this 10-year experience but the guy is so psychologically neurotic that he keeps corrupting the memories uh, so eventually, the computer decides to show him a simulation of what it'll be like when he arrives on this planet, over and over and over again. Uh, and it re- it really gets to the way in which our lives and our view of the world is colored by our own neuroses and problematic uh, ideology and, and psychology. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know that one. So that's that's a good, uh, it's a good recommendation for me. It was,
1: yeah, it was published towards the end of his life in Playboy magazine, uh, and I think seventy-eight or eighty, something like that. And you can definitely find it online. Sometimes it's called a frozen journey. Sometimes it's called I hope I shall arrive soon.
0: Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Uh, so yeah, I think there's. Uh, what a what a wrap up for today. I, I I will just I will just peg something I was thinking about as we were talking. That you know that an, an interesting discussion to have another time maybe would be the way that um like <laughs> uh, a lot of uh, like a lot of Marxist critics really like Philip K. Dick because they think he's like you know they they think there's like this kind of interest in um, you know there's this like interested take on the you know certain kind of pathologies of capitalist society and, and all that stuff but of course he doesn't return the love any at all right I mean, no actually, no i mean he's actually he, kind they, of a paranoid anti-communist
1: they came to visit him right and he yeah. called the he called the fbi on him right? <laughs> right, 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 But right. i mean I, I just noticing in your chat there's a whole bunch of people asking me whether i'm a, a communist or not You so know, mm. it's, a, it's a little mccarthy-esque here as well no no that's right <laughs> that's right
0: that's the uh it's the uh yeah, little, uh, little, little perspective flip, but. Uh, oh, yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I think
1: that I think Dick was a, a staunch capitalist, but a staunch defender of the little guy. You know, the yeah, the, yeah. the mom and pop uh, store owner. There's so many of his stories that start with a a shopkeeper sweeping the the front of the store, and that's definitely his notion of like what keeps that chaos and kipple at bay, for sure.
0: Yeah, or or like that, or like the main character maybe like works for that guy, but that guy is is kind of glorified by the the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's
1: there's always like a, the the direct manager that's kind of like a father figure that you really like, and then there's like the upper manager who's a total jerk. <laughs> <laughs> that's accurate. Accurate to my experience as well.
0: Oh, fair enough. All right, man. Uh well we will uh cut it off there for today. Uh people should uh, people should check out uh the uh, the blog as uh, total dickhead uh and uh we uh, and uh yeah, hope uh, hope I can get David back at some point for a follow up, but uh meanwhile, uh probably going to be back on here talking about more usual topics uh tomorrow, but this was a really fun break uh really you know i certainly uh, i certainly really enjoyed it because i haven't i haven't had a chance to to kind of talk or think about some of the stuff in a very long time so uh thank you so much
1: yeah me too thanks ben i really appreciate it